No pressure. None. Don't get pee shy. Ready? Go. So at golfballspodcast.com, you're going to see home. You're going to see about us. The button you want to click on, exclusive deals. When you click on that button, you're going to go down. You're going to see awesome deals from FootJoy. We got Budget Golf, Worldwide Golf Shops, Chicago State Company. Chris has gone nuts finding deals for all you guys while we're sitting around. I should say guys and girls. My bad, ladies. Check them out. They're amazing. Golfballspodcast.com exclusive deals get the savings let's get out there soon i loved your toilet golf video yeah there it is that's the toilet the whole set's in that box the whole toilet golf yeah knowing that you used it and now it's in the studio with us is a nightmare come true 115 115 six inch putts take it to the bank I loved how it was very well done. Like the ball going in and then like draining birdies or whatever. I was like, that's... It took me like two hours. I loved it. I loved it. You posted it twice. Four times. <laughs> <laughs> it was at least four, uh, twice on Facebook. At least. So at least. I sound much taller on the radio. Completely. I'm sure. making an audio recording over yeah. there and you're, and you're exploding off. Yeah. Golf Boss Podcast. This is episode 15. Chris <laughs> Daniels and Ben Friend in the studio. What a week, man. We just had uh, one of the, I mean, elite, elite, I mean, teachers legit, in golf, one of the best instructors in golf, David Armitage. He was voted the best young teacher in golf. So you've seen him on Golf Channel, right? You've seen him on YouTube. He has a really nice YouTube channel. Yep. A lot of tips, lessons, tons of stuff on that. He's a serious XM PGA Tour radio host. Drive, thrive, survive. Crazy. Yeah, man. Legit. He was on Golf Balls Podcast. And then he's on Golf Ball. There's a lot of golf podcasts out there. But there's only one Golf Balls Podcast. He's a GBP guy. Yep. He he enjoyed himself. He was super great. Super cool. Cool guy. Really nice. Yeah. I could just see him in like in a public parking lot in his car like, who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> but he was super receptive. Oh, yep. Awesome. He asked what, you know, he asked us some questions going into it. And Total pro. Yeah, man. I awesome. didn't get to my story, though. Which one of your stories? When is I was this? staying in Orlando on International Drive at the, I think it's a Wyndham Resort, and I had to go to CVS. Do you know what CVS stands for? No. Okay. Do you? Yeah. So I'm driving through Orlando and um, ended up in the... I, I got lost in an office park. I turned into a parking lot to turn around, and it was the Golf Channel parking lot. Is that near the Golf Hall of Fame? No. Okay. Golf Hall of Fame is is like a, is a couple hours north. Next to another CVS? The Hall of Fame is in St. Augustine, and the Golf Channel is in Orlando. Yeah, I, it was the creepiest thing, because I had just watched a show where they did a segment in the parking lot, so I felt like a total creeper, but good place to turn around. Found CVS. Got my medication. That story would have gone well, I think. You think he would have enjoyed that? No. Do you think that he knows what's... You know what's really going to be enjoyable, though? Listening to David Armitage on episode 15 of Golf Ball's podcast right now. And CVS stands for Consumer Value Stores. Did they pay you to say this? No. I just wanted to share knowledge. From the golfballspodcast.com studios, it's Golf Ball's podcast with Ben Friend. I loved your toilet. And Chris Daniels. I sound much taller on the radio. All right, so we'll do the introduction, and then we'll get right into it. If you're ready, we are ready. Chris, you're ready? I'm ready. Golf Balls Podcast, back again. Ben Friend in the studio with Chris Daniels. How are you, sir? Doing well. No golf yet, but I'm still okay. We're still hanging Hanging, in there. Hanging. We are lucky, fortunate, and excited to have uh, David Armitage on with us this week. Oh, I lost him. Did I lose him? Yeah. All right. Hi, David. 
He was for change of the radio station. Yeah. Hey guys, I lost you there. I'm sorry. We thought you just really hated it and you gave up on us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was me or you. I, I don't know if you hated me or I hated you. But no, it was the, more, it was the quickest some... breakup in history, man. That was it. So, <laughs> all right. So take, now that we take, broke the ice. Two. Golf Balls Podcast. We are back. Episode 15. I am Ben Friend in the studio with Chris Daniels. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Good, good. No golf yet, but I have faith soon. Keep the faith, my friend. This week, we are fortunate, excited. We have David Armitage on with us. Master PGA professional, Golf Digest, Best Young Teachers, Golf World Top 25 Instructor of the UK, Golf Digest, Best Teachers by State, South Florida Chapter, PGA Teacher of the Year, and Lead Instructor with Jim McLean. How are you, David? I'm good. It's good to be with you, uh, Dan and Chris. Really excited to be on the podcast, hopefully share some stories and give everyone out there a little bit of some good stories in this time that's uh, surrounding us just now. How are you keeping yourself busy where you are without being able to play the game that we love so much? I actually, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I've just finished my first book. Uh, it's been half written for about a year now. And the day after I got shut down, I put my head into my laptop and uh, I'm excited that I've just sort of finished it now with the editors and I'm hoping to get it published probably October, November time. So I'm really excited about that and trying to get on with the girlfriend as best as I can, uh, doing some <laughs> online lessons and just, yeah, it's, it's a test, but it's a test for everyone right now. We, uh, we look forward to getting our hands on one of those books, David. A signed copy will be on its way to you. Once oh, you're, once you're we're already loving it. Tell us a little bit about your credentials, especially the PGA Master Professional status, because that is something that is it's a rarity. If I if I read it correctly, it's it's kind of a prestigious honor. Yeah, look, I I like any any golf pro. I I started off playing the game, and uh, it was my dream to put on the green jacket and you know and hoist up the Ryder Cup for the European team. Of course, uh, <laughs> sorry to throw that in there, but. Yeah. Uh, we you can know, always edit that out game. afterwards, David. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I like it, um, but the uh, you'll have to add it out quite a few years though because they've won so many times. So the, we're losing anyway, you again, they, David. Uh, we're losing you again here. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, I I sort of decided that when I was out of tournaments and you know I was shooting in level par, which wasn't sort of cutting it. I I quite enjoyed working with a lot of the other players out that were, I was competing against, which didn't really make sense, right? It's you know, I'm trying to help the people I'm trying to beat. Um, but it really opened my eyes up to coaching, um, changed my career. And I decided right there and then when, the, hey, if I wasn't going to be the best player in the world, I wanted to be the best coach in the world. And uh, obviously it's very subjective and you, you have to have some luck along the way to, to meet the right people. But the one thing that's not subjective is your qualification. So I thought the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to really work on my qualifications and, uh, I dreamt of being a master PGA professional from the time I, you know, started the PGA. It was my goal, and I achieved it a, a few years back. And it, you know, I, I believe I'm one of the youngest to achieve it, uh, one of few to achieve it. And I just uh, finished submitting for the British PGA Master Professional as well. So, and if that comes off, 
I'll be the only person in the world that has both master professional on either side of the pond, which will be pretty exciting. Ooh. So what was able to look at your game and know how to teach somebody how to do it, like take a swing and be able to break it down at that level and tell someone, a, a tour player, what they could do better to improve? Without completely destroying the swing, you know, without well, breaking all the way down. I, I think what you've just said there is something that I'm, I try and put a message across every day of my life. Uh, on the golf course that getting lessons doesn't mean getting worse. You know, a lot of people think when they go for a lesson, they're going to get worse before they get better. That is the biggest load of BS that I heard because I know if I go for a, if I go for a lesson, if I go for a Spanish lesson, I expect to learn, come out learning new words. And therefore, if I go to a golf lesson, I want to come out being better than when I came in. Doesn't mean that I'm going to own it straight away doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to use it perfectly all the time. That's just the game of golf that we live in. But you, you don't necessarily need to get worse before you get better in golf. It just takes a little bit more trust. And I took that right from the start was if I say something to someone, a tour player, and they're playing for their livelihood, it has to help them get better immediately. And that is, that is what I work on every day is, I, I haven't got the time to, to tell a tour player to do something and be able to say to them, well, it's going to take you four weeks to, to, to get better at this. They've got to be able to go out the next day and, and compete because that's what pays their bills and keeps their sponsorships, etc. So, And I think it's the same for the amateurs. I think the everyday golfers, the weekend warriors that you said, I don't think you should have fear to have golf lessons. I think you should have a more open mind and, and go in there just trying to learn. And, and I guarantee you'll come out better than you went in and and be able to go out and shoot lower scores but i think we sometimes go into these learning environments with a little bit of a closed mind and and it makes it hard to to absorb information and then we sort of get caught between the two and that's that zone of where we don't get better straight away i think everybody i ever talked to about doing lessons you know comes up with that well you're gonna you might get worse you might get better so at, at our level a lot of yeah. people get intimidated by it. I'd be intimidated because I am horrible. Like, I might be the worst golfer out of, you put any group of our friends, peers, yeah. the worst. I, but I always get intimidated, I, I always, so. I, well, that's a, big, that's a big thing. Like, you know, my first job giving a golf lesson to someone where I've never taught before is to help them feel comfortable and relax and help them, uh, you know, understand that they're, we're a team and we're going to work together to help you enjoy the game better. And, you know, the, the normal thing that I, I say to people to start my golf lessons is I'll say, okay, what's, what's a good score for you? If you were to go out on Saturday and shoot a score, what, what would help the beer taste a little nicer at the end of the round? And if they come back and say 95 to me, I'll say, well, how would you feel if, I could, if, if you could go out next weekend and shoot 90? And they say, I feel a lot better. And I say, well, let's do it then. Let's, 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 let's get on it. Let's, let's figure out a way to you know, to make you better by next week. Um, and and that's, you know, and that goes the same for a tour player. If he's going out and playing a tournament and he knows he's got to make the cut, I know I've got to get him with the confidence and the tools to be able to shoot 69, 70 first two days to make sure he makes the cut. Um, and I've got to make sure I give him the confidence. I make sure I give him the belief and all, all the tools that he needs to be able to go out and do that. So it works on every level. It's just, it's just, you got to dumb the message down sometimes you've got to 
take away some of the fear and anxieties and, and get people in that learning state. So when you're preparing to give someone a lesson in that first little while, do you use computers and analytics or are you more of a looking at mechanics, hands-on type of instruction? And do you think there's too much of the analytics in golf right now, like too much of the computer-generated analysis? My, my best golf lessons that I remember most vividly, my top 10 best golf lessons, and I keep a log of like, you know, look, I, I score myself on a daily basis of how I feel like performed on the lesson tee. And my best golf lessons are top 10. No computers have made it into my top 10 as of yet. They have been just really good golf lessons from, you know, watching the ball flight, listening to the strike, old school. And the player has trusted what I've said immediately, got feedback from the way he hit the golf ball and taken it to a tournament or taken it to a round and, and played well. They're the best lessons because they're the purest and they require the least amount of thought process. The hardest lessons and sometimes the worst lessons are when you use so much analytics that people are lost in that sort of um, world of thinking too much. You cannot play any sport thinking too much. So um, it's very important that when we use analytics, I use them to reassure people. Uh, I use them to help gain trust sometimes. Um, I use them sometimes because I have to, because people are so used to it and I have to start off my lesson process by using it. But I, I now know as a teacher that I basically, I know when to use it, how to use it to benefit that player the most at that time. And, uh, you know, there's great players like Sean O'Hare, who was an amazing DJ tour player and, uh, you know, fell off the planet a little bit. And I remember him making an interview and saying, you know, he was thinking about his trackman numbers when he was trying to chip it out of the trees. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's where you know you've gone a little too far on the analytics. So the, the computers are just a another, another club in your bag, basically. It's not everything. It's a little piece of the puzzle. A little piece. Yeah, if you need it, sometimes you don't. So You don't always use your 7-iron, right? But you carry one with you every day. This is true. <laughs> there are days I only use like three of my clubs, so that's fine. <laughs> When uh, so let's skip it. We'll go. Uh, I have a question. When when we everyone gets back on the course, they release the PGA release a schedule of they're going to do some tournaments. Hopefully in the summer later in the year. Do you watch a lot of golf? And when you do, who is the player that kind of sticks out? And you say that's a guy that's that's going to do well regardless. You know, throughout his career, who do you who do you like in that mold? Well, look, I'm I'm lucky. I'm at a lot of tournaments with my players, so I travel. I travel a little bit to the tournaments, uh, so I get to see close up. You know the players. You know I'm always going to pick my, some of the players I teach first. But uh, but look, the players that impress me the most are you know I think Xander Shoffley is is phenomenal. I think he's he's phenomenal because I think he has the grit and determination on top of a, an abundance of talent and 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 things that he does good in the golf swing. And he looks like he's a bit of a closer. Looks like when it the time comes, he he steps up. He hasn't gone backwards many times when he's been in contention. Um, I think Justin Thomas is, you know, um, I think probably the most impressive of the younger crop of players. I've said that for a long time. He obviously had an injury for a little bit, but you know, he's another guy who uh, I was surprised in Mexico this year where he went backwards in the last round, but. 
he often finds a way to go forwards and all parts of his game are, are really solid. Uh, so they're the two players on the American side that I, I really, um, you know, I really think are going to be around for a long time to come and, and consistently be in that top 15 in the world. Since we've had, we always ask the guys we have, we have instructors on for maybe one or two tips or drills or something that the, uh, the high handicapper guys can, can do around the house or around the, uh, in the backyard to work on maybe lowering those scores a little bit. Well, look, you know, it's, it's hard right now. There's a, you know, people are locked inside. They, uh, they can't do too much. And, you know, my biggest thing I would say is if you do have the space and you have a mirror is, and you can swing is, is to use a mirror as much as you can get in front of the mirror and make sure your grip looks nice. Make sure that you, you set up fairly nice and, and, you know, start making some swings in front of the mirror where, you know, you feel like you're not moving side to side too much or you know you feel like you're turning into your right side and then turning into your left side for a right-handed golfer and just sort of do a lot of mirror work that would be my number one if you have room inside your house to make some swings and you have a mirror that you can put in front of you uh you don't necessarily need to golf balls you just need to make some swings and get that feedback that visual feedback is is great if you can get outside and you can hit some, let's say, air balls or soft balls uh, a little bit in your garden. Um, I'd always, uh, I always love the drill for most amateurs where you put the ball about six inches in front of where it normally would be, but address where it normally should be um, and try and hit it. Um, it's, it's a Ken Venturi drill, an old great, who basically, you know, most amateurs are falling backwards as they hit the shot and they're hitting the ground before the ball or they're hitting the ball only. So what this encourages is that you move forward, that you transfer your weight through, and that the club stays online and lower through and past impact. Um, so that's a nice little drill that you can do where, or even putting like a tee just six inches in front of where the ball would be and try and swing through that tee as well as the ball. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to find tips for everyone. You know, like I think all tips are great but they do need to be matched up with the person who's receiving them. So, David, as a coach, what's a, yep. a moment that stands out with a tour player that you've worked with in your career? Nice. Thanks, man. Is there a moment that one of the players that you that you coach on tour, um, is there a moment that you remember? That kind of sticks out. In your yeah, what, what sticks out in your, in your memory from one of the players that you've worked with in uh, one of the events they've done where something that you've taught them or worked on really came out well look you know my my biggest uh not to take away from any of the other players i work with but my biggest success story or biggest you know amazing thing right now is you know tom lewis who i work with uh when i met him he was 600th in the world and you know not happy in life or on the golf course and uh and now he's 59th in the world and i did get to 50th in the world at the start of this year after dubai um i'm watching him win um in uh, portugal he won the portuguese masters uh in 2018 just about a year and a half after we started working together and it was his first win for seven years was just you know it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it watching someone come back from you know a, a glittering start to his professional career and then being in the doldrums for six years and then picking up a trophy uh you know, on, on the biggest tour, the European tour for him, 
and then he followed it up and he now has his PGA Tour card as well and he's going from strength to strength. So that, that, that that's, you know, it, it, he's become a friend. He's become someone who I think about every day, who I care about a lot. And, uh, you know, you really, you know, as a coach, it's not always about the information you give him. It's not always about, the, you know, the, the technical side. It's about them knowing that you're there for them and you knowing that you're, you're part of the team and, and, uh, you're trying to get there together. It's, um, it's, it's hard. You live, you spend a lot of time together. You put a lot of pressure on each other. I get nervous. He sometimes laughs at me. He says, I think you're more nervous than I am out there when I'm watching. But, you know, that's, that's how much we care as coaches. And I, I think you see that on the sidelines of an NBA game or a, a football game. Like coaches are, they're not throwing the ball. They're not passing the ball. They're not shooting the ball, but they're, they care and they and they uh, and they want the players to do well and they um, and and that's a cool thing. Wow, that's awesome! Well, David Armitage, thank you so much for coming on Golf Balls Podcast today. It's greatly appreciated, man. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, David. Any any time at all, uh, Chris Ben. Stay safe, stay well. Uh, looking forward to being out on the links again soon. Golfballspodcast.com.